Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I am Beth Syverson, a mom of a 17-year-old son, Joey, who has been dealing with drug addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation for several years. I am walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. And I am Jan Maybe, Beth's wife and Joey's other mom. The three of us have been through many highs and lows, and we are committed to supporting each other. Please note that this episode might contain some swear words, descriptions of drug use, and mentions of suicide attempts, and may not be appropriate for sensitive listeners or younger children. We want to make sure everyone knows that this podcast is not glorifying or endorsing illegal activity or substance abuse. This podcast is for educational and harm reduction purposes. So before we get into this episode about stimulants with my wife, Jan, I thought we would just update you guys with uh, Joey's status. Last you've heard from us together, uh, we were talking about his relapse that had just happened that day. Uh, It's been about a week and a half. And Jan, how are we doing? Um, Well, he's reaching out. And so I think it's kind of a a sigh of relief every time that you hear him. It's like, okay, he's still alive, Mm -hmm. you know, and he kind of gets us um, a little bit of update of what's going on. Um, And uh, so that's just kind of where we are. I mean, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, Just sort of back into our mode. Uh, You know, we have two modes. We have the Joey at our house mode and the Joey at his dad's mode. (laughs) So, and he's been way more at his dad's over the last several years. So we just kind of flipped back into that. We just kind of do our life or we have busy lives and uh, think about him all the time, worry all the time, but um, we just keep going. And I did have dinner with him tonight. He's, he's actually doing pretty good. And um, he's in, uh, you know, the research mode. If you've ever dieted or tried to quit anything, you, you do research. You're like, huh, maybe if I just do this over here, it'll be fine. I'll be able to handle everything. Or maybe if I just have this much, I'll be fine. So I think everyone can relate to that. And so he uh, is excited to get back into the podcast. He has um, great hopes of getting on a safer and saner path very soon. And uh, we all appreciate all of your support and your love during this time. So today we're going to talk about stimulants and Joey never liked stimulants anyway. He was really much more interested in getting depressed and numbed out. So stimulants were never his drug of choice, but they were Jan's drug of choice when she was very young. Well, in the nicotine segment, we knew you smoked when you were in high school. How old were you when you started using stimulants and... You want to give us a little bit of background of why you chose those and, and that kind of thing? Well, the very first time that I ever used anything, we, um, you know, you're in high school and you're, you're trying different things and people come up with, you know, and hand you things. The first thing, the earliest stimulant I can remember were capsules and they were black and they were called black beauties. And, oh, everybody talked about, oh, these black beauties, oh, they're so good. And I look back and I think, did they put anything in those? Because I don't recall the, the, the speed, the, you know, the up, the, the stimulant, the move, move, move. It was like, 
you took it, you just kept drinking and partying and, and the next day you just were back to normal. So it was not until I got out of the Air Force before I actually got into stimulants and it was actually methamphetamines that I used. Um, we called it speed back then or crystal or, or uh, meth, crystal meth. Um, there was different names that we used for it. Was Black Beauty a uh, Black Beauty was a pill, a was capsule. It a, was it meth or something? No, else? nope. They called it Speed, and I don't know prescription Speed, some sort. I don't okay. know. Mm-hmm. They had uh, little white crosses. They had those, which were a white pill, hmm. and um, I really don't think those did anything for me, to be honest <laughs> with you. So it's like looking back, I was just like, I don't know. You know, you're you're a kid. You're trying anything. So I can only imagine what it's like today, you know, because there's so many more things out there that are so much more mm. dangerous than what we did. I think it's much more dangerous now, but it was pretty I dangerous did. back then too. You didn't know what you were getting. No, obviously. <laughs> no. And you never knew what to expect. Yeah. You know, they would tell you, Oh, here, this is this, you know, just, Oh, okay. And you were uh, drinking on top of it, which is yeah. no bueno. Yeah. You're supposed yeah. to drink and use drugs at the same time. Oh yeah. So yeah, we used to, you know, drink quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so when I was in the military, it's not like I used drugs or speed or anything like that. There was an incident when I was overseas where we did, um, smoke marijuana and I had a real bad trip. Um, it must've been real high THC levels, Mm -hmm. but at that time you didn't know anything about it. It was just like, Oh my God. And so I thought, Oh, I'll never do that again. So after I got out of the air force, some, I was, I was around some friends and we were talking and talking and talking and, and I kept falling asleep and, and I was the only one falling asleep and they were like, Hey, you want to stay up with us? And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do any drugs. And so I, I would say with probably three or four days into it, you know, I'd wake up and they'd still be awake, you know, and then maybe they were dozing and I don't know, I'd wake up and, you know, everybody was awake. So they went ahead and they were like, no, 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 just try this. And so what they did was they put out a line for me. And what that is, is they take the speed or, or meth and they take a razor blade and they, they crush it up on a, on a piece of glass and they, they make a long skinny line and you, you take a dollar bill or glass tube or something and you, you snort it. And the first time I tried it, I was hooked. Wow. Immediately. I knew it. Wow. I knew it. That's pretty profound. And it was, I was up a good two, two days at least, Mm -hmm. at least two days. Wow. Um, But the thing is, is that it didn't make me feel like, like where you drink, you know, and sometimes you don't know exactly where you are, you can't control your body, or if you're, you know, smoking pot, you're kind of, you know, elusive in another realm or something. But with the speed, I never felt like that. I just felt like I was aware of everything and I was doing everything faster and I was more efficient and I didn't need the sleep. So it just, you just were more of everything. Yeah, I was, I was fast. And so I always had a job. So I thought for sure I was not hooked because I was working Um, I wasn't making very good money. You know, I was just working. 
I started in 1983, right after I got out of the Air Force. I got kicked out of the Air Force in October 1983. Do you want to tell everyone why you got kicked out? When I was in the Air Force, there was um, no gays were allowed. There was no don't ask, don't tell. There was nothing. It was just a flat. The, the rules in the military, they called it the military code of justice, was that sex was to be performed missionary style between a man and a woman, and that was it. Any other thing you could be kicked out for. Whoa. And so I had typed up a letter, sent it to a friend of mine talking about one of my girlfriends. And unbeknownst to me, it was returned, turned into the Office of Special Investigations. They called me in, and after a three-hour interrogation on a typed letter, they finally got me to say, yes, I am gay, and I was getting kicked out. So I was one of the lucky ones, though. They wanted to kick me out with other than honorable, and I stood up for myself. I don't know what it was. Something just told me stand up, and I got an honorable discharge. And uh, so... Thank God for that because I've been able to keep all of my benefits. I didn't lose any benefits no. um, due to that. But it, it really tore me down. I was a law enforcement canine handler when I was in the military. And I was told, when you get out, there's no discrimination on the outside. You can go get a job anywhere. You can be a cop anywhere. Little did I know that wasn't true. Mm. <laughs> so, so when I found out I couldn't get on the local police departments and stuff like that, it kind of really took a toll on me. And you couldn't because they saw the reason for your discharge. Because my discharge was flagged. Even though I got an honorable, they called it a 3910, which is failure to adapt to military lifestyle. And then at the bottom, it says homosexuality acts, even though it was a typewritten letter. There was no act involved. And so that's how it was. Ugh, that sucks so bad. So you, you got kicked out, you got honorable, but still you, you lost your job and your career in the military that you loved so much training the, the dogs. And so then you tried to get work in the sheriff's department and police departments, and they, w they wouldn't hire you because they would see that note. Right. So I can remember, um, in Redlands PD, I went to Redlands PD and I had passed the written test. And then when I went in for the oral interview, they asked to see my discharge papers and any evidence I had of my experience. And I can remember it was like about four or five people in the room and they would pick up my papers and look down at it and then kind of point down to the bottom and hand it to the next person. And, and I knew exactly what it was. Uh, so I was just like, oh, didn't get that job. <laughs> shoot. Did all that experience make you more susceptible to using speed or did that have anything to do with the other? You know, I, I kind of think it did. I was, I was at a low point and um, not sure what I was going to do, where I was going, having a hard time getting a job and it was readily available. Mm. So, you know, like I said, once that I tried it, I, I was hooked immediately. How, how much did it cost? I don't think I paid a whole lot at first. I, I think that at first it was kind of like here, you know, and that's kind of how they lure you in mm -hmm. here, have some of mine. Mm -hmm. And then after a couple of times, it's like, okay, so this is $25 a bag. And then this is $50. And then this is $250. And, and next thing you know, you know, you've got a, a pretty big addiction going on and, I would spend any money that I had that was not for rent or, mm. you know, 
anything. I, I didn't have a car payment. Thank God I had a, you know, my car was paid for, but any extra money I had that, you know, I was spending it on that. And I wasn't buying food because you don't get hungry when you're on stimulants. Yeah. Aren't they sometimes prescribed for weight loss or they used to be? Yes, they were. Mm. Yes, they were. So it just makes you not hungry, like no time. Mm -hmm. Don't even want to think about food right now. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm five foot eight and I was, let me see, I went in the military at 113, which I was a little underweight. Um, and then once I got into shape, um, gained weight and got all my muscles from running and exercising, I got, I got up to 134. And then when I got out, um, I was about 128. And once I got on the speed, I dropped down to 99. Ah. Whoa, you must have been skin and bones. So that's kind of the look, though, of someone that's using right. speed, really right. skinny, kind of with a like drawn face, like a, mm -hmm. like circles under your eyes. That's kind of the kind of look. I don't know. I didn't pay any attention to see if I had circles under my <laughs> eyes. I just kept thinking how fat I was, you know. Oh, because, you felt fat even oh, though yeah. you were thin? Wow. Mm -hmm. so. Yikes. Um, and uh, were there any other stimulants you used? I did meth and then I did coke, cocaine. So that's also a stimulant in the same class. Yeah. Um, the thing, the difference with the cocaine, um, was cocaine had a numbing effect and it was funny. The person that actually turned me on to cocaine was a college professor. He was a, uh, he, he did science and stuff. So he was actually making his own Coke. Really? That yes. Sounds dangerous. And, um, so he would say to tell how good it was, you would take your pinky and get it wet and dab it in the Coke and then rub it on your gums. And if it made your gums numb, it was good. That's how you knew it was good. Wow. Oh my God. So, yeah. So, so did it numb you physically or emotionally? No, <laughs> no, you just, you know, you numb that and you would think that you had this higher intellect, you know, that you could really talk deep and, and get yeah. into these conversations because you would be talking for a couple of days. Yeah. So that, that kind of image in the media of people that are loud and they're just like, ah, and mm -hmm. talking about themselves. Is it kind of, do you kind of get this grandiosity when you're using Coke or speed? You know, Coke more so than speed. Mm -hmm. Yes. You kind of think that, you know, a lot of stuff and that you're deep, you know, in this, that, and the other, but what you don't realize is that you're talking faster. Mm -hmm. Um, you're doing everything faster. And sometimes people don't understand you mm. and, uh, you don't realize that you slur a little bit because you're, you're just, da -da 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 -da, you know, and sometimes your words will run in to each other and you just, bah. but, um, I found that while I was using, I couldn't remember a lot of things. So after I got off of all the drugs and everything, you know, little by little, I started remembering all kinds of stuff. And then it was kind of like I could see something once or twice and not forget it. Just remember things. It was it was just kind of like, wow, you know, because I used to be like that as a kid. Mm -hmm. As a young kid, I remembered everything. And so, so is that a side effect of stimulants? You I don't can't know. Concentrate or you can't focus. It must have been for me. Oh. You know, that was just my personal experience. Mm. Um I started in 1983, the end of 1983. 
um, almost almost the beginning of 84 it was kind of right, you know, right at the end. Um, the last time I used was in March of 1987. Oh, see, so quite a while there. Mm -hmm. And what made you quit? Well, <laughs> I was losing friends pretty fast. Um, it seemed like everybody wanted to control me. And so I kind of would go through anger spurts where it was like, I don't want to be controlled. And why are you making me mad? You know, why are you doing this to me? And so people would tell me, Jan, you, you have a problem. You need to get off of it. And I was like, no, you have a problem. <laughs> and um, so finally what happened was I ended up, you know, I had rented a house. Uh, my girlfriend left me and she left her daughter with me, who was a teenager in junior high. Oh my and God. so I was taking her to junior high school and um, they were like, nope. Don't want to be around you. You need to quit. You have a problem. And so it was like, okay, I've got to get myself together. You know, I've got this teenager here and we're eating, you know, have her help her every night, you know, because I don't know how to cook. And um, so I made a decision. I was going to give it up. And and first I, I called everybody, Hey, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. You know, there's this number on the in the phone book, I'm going to call NA and I'm going to get off. And they all kind of laughed at me. Yeah, right, Jan. Yeah, right. And so I called and, and I talked to somebody and they were like, there's a meeting. It's down at this bank. It's a Tuesday night women's meeting. You know, why don't you go down there? So I was like, okay. So I got there a little bit early. And so I sat in, I had a little truck. I sat in my truck and I had a little bit of speed left. And I used all of it. I thought, that's it. Get rid of it. Use it all. I don't have any more. Right. Like the day before a diet, right? Yes. But it wasn't a day before. It was minutes before I walked in. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, oh, yeah. Right before you went into the yeah. meeting. Yeah. Okay. Your last minute. <laughs> yes. So I did. I went inside the meeting. And when I was listening to their stories and, and how the NA program worked, I was just like, Whoa. Any Narcotics Anonymous. Right? Narcotics Anonymous. And that's for anyone on any sort of drugs, right? Exactly. It's not just me. Okay. So people are all supporting each other, getting off of drugs. Yes. And, uh, you know, at, at the end, everybody puts their dollar in, you know, to help support, you know, their rent or whatever it was. And, and they were like, you don't have to pay any money. And I'm thinking, I don't have any money. <laughs> I just, uh, I spent it all, you know, <laughs> you just snorted it up your nose. Yeah. And so anyway, so I went home and I called everybody. That's it. I quit, you know, again, they're still laughing at me. And, uh, I had talked to the women that were in the group and I said, okay, so is this group, this is next week at the same time. And they said, yeah. I said, okay, I'll see you guys next week. And I left. So the whole week I didn't go anywhere other than to work. And, um, so the next Tuesday I show up at that meeting and we're all talking and they're like, Oh, great. Great. See ya. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Everything's going great. You know? So see you guys next week. The third week I walk in and finally they start asking me, what other meetings are you going to? And I must've had this shocked look like ghost white look on my face of there's other meetings <laughs> and they're like you're not going to any other meetings I was like no and they said you're supposed to do one meeting per day 
for the first 90 days. And uh, I had no idea they had that many meetings. I had no idea. Well, you couldn't Google it back then either. So you, how would they, you, they should have given you a schedule or something on your first day, wouldn't you yeah, think? They didn't give me anything. Nothing. Nothing. So, so did for, you start going every day or did you just continue um, once a week? No, no, no. I did, I think I did like three or four meetings a week. I, I don't think I went every day. Maybe I went like five or six. I don't think I went every single day. Um, but I do remember, okay, so Tuesday was women's and then, cause I didn't even think how did they, how did the men get sober? You know, cause it's just women. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, and then Thursday night they talked about the big meeting. Cause that's where everybody went on the Thursday night meeting, you know, and, and so, and then Saturday and Sunday. And so we, I, I probably went about six, six, five, six okay. times a week. Um, and, um, but it took me almost six months before I even got a sponsor. And and when I would ask people to be my sponsor, they'd be like, oh, we already have so many people, you know, we can't take another one. And it's just like, okay. You know, and I would just walk away, you know, finally someone was like, okay, you have to have a sponsor. So did you find a sponsor? Oh, I did. But it, it was funny because I was her, she was my she was my first sponsor and I was her first sponsoree. Oh, so you guys didn't know what you were doing. No. And <laughs> she was a recovering heroin addict. Oh, okay. And different, um, whole different thing. Whole different thing. So, yeah. Well, we're but, just all struggling together, right? Right. <laughs> the blind leading the blind. It, exactly. But, you know, it was very, very helpful. Um, and, you know, it got me to be strong enough to walk away. Okay. Good. You know. Okay, so you know how Joey uses depressants and he wants to numb out. What made it feel better for you to be totally like the volume turned up instead of down with the stimulants? Well, you know, even as a little kid, I always wanted to be the last one awake. I wanted to see what was going on, right? I wouldn't go to bed until everybody went to sleep. And then I was always the last one awake. But I just had to be the one nosy one knowing what was going on. And, and that's the only thing I can relate it to is I want to know what's going on. I don't want to sleep. I want to see everything. Okay. You know, maybe from your, um, law enforcement training, just the vigilance. Do you think that has anything to do with it? No, I don't know. I don't know, Hmm. but Hmm. I, I, I liked the being up, being awake, you know, being alert, moving all the time. So those four years that you were able to keep a job and everything, but you you didn't really grow personally. You kind of were just on hold on a kind of a low wage job, just kind of making do, right? Yeah. So exactly. So um, I was making a little bit more than minimum wage, but not much. Um, I wasn't wasn't doing anything with my education at all. Um, and it was just jobs that you didn't have to get drug tested for. You would just go in with a high school diploma, you know, just a little bit of a knowledge. I was, um, I, in high school, I did um, offset printing. And so that's what I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. So that's what I did. It was offset printing. But then, you know, offset printing is a dying trade. So everybody turned to copy machines. So you ended up with high speed copy machines and stuff like that. But, you know, I did use a little bit of press. Um, I was using, you know, single color, you know, dual color 
and um, just the small little offset presses and they, it just doesn't pay, you know, it's just non paying jobs really. Yeah. So after you quit then, did you, is that when you started going to electrical school and all that? Did your life kind of take a a nice turn for the better after that? Or was it? It, it took quite a bit. Um, Now in 1987, what I ended up doing was I, um, I switched printing to a private printing company where I was printing um, a gay magazine and still not making much money. And then I had a second full-time job. So two full-time jobs and I worked seven days a week. And the other one was I was in an office of a security alarm company um, as a dispatcher. So I would have four days where I would have one job (laughs) and then three days work, you know, two full-time jobs. But um, minimum wage, minimum wage, minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful and you have two full-time jobs, they don't take enough money out when they realize you have another job. Oh, and so it's like, slammed yeah, so you get slammed at tax time too. And you just, you can't move anywhere because all you're doing is working. Yeah, it's kind of that uh, trap that a lot of people at that income level get into. You know, you, you you have to have money to make money, kind of. Exactly. <laughs> and and exactly. so you're, you know, just getting off drugs and trying to make your life better and just struggling and struggling and trying to do the thing, working two jobs. And it's still really, really hard. Right. And that right. must have been a tough time of your life because you're like, listen, listen, I've been through the hell here. Right. I've gotten rid of nicotine. I got rid of speed. I got rid of cocaine. Mm-hmm. You probably weren't drinking anymore either. Um, I actually kind of quit drinking when I was, was 21 and, and it wasn't a great while I'd have a drink, but it would make me sleepy. So I, I never oh, yeah. really, so not your favorite. Yeah. Not my so, favorite. So it took a while for life mm-hmm. to, to really turn for the better. Yeah. It was, um, 1990, uh, when I got a job at the hospital and I, I was a printer at the hospital and they had a printing press and I operated that for about a year and they said, Oh no, we're going to get rid of that. Now it's a high speed copy machine. Um, and so it kind of like stunted my pay. Now I was able to go to that job and get rid of two jobs, mm-hmm. you know, because I made $9 and 25 cents <laughs> an hour. I'll never forget that when they hired me. Um, and I worked there for five years and there were years where I would just get a bonus years that I would get a little bit of a raise. And then another year, I remember one year, my bonus was $10 and I handed it back. Oh, wow. For a whole year, they gave me $10 and I went, (laughs) and you know, what are they going to do? But, but anyway, in five years, my raise was 25 cents from the beginning to the end. So So, but I was there at the hospital when, and when someone said, my husband's trying to get my, my son into the electrical school because he wants him to be an electrician. It's really good pay. And I said, oh, my sister does that. You should get into it. Next thing you know, there I go. There you go. I tried out. Yeah. So. And that's how they test for drugs, I would imagine. Well, yeah, but I had, they did at the hospital too. So I had five years at the hospital. So at that point you didn't mind, not mind anyway. Yeah. It didn't bother me. Now let's uh, talk about another stimulant that many, many, many people use. And that is caffeine. 
-hmm. It's the same in the same class mm -hmm. as meth. It's just a lot milder uh, and very socially acceptable. I know at various points in your life, you've been variously addicted to caffeine. Um, oh, yeah. I used to drink a lot of soda, a lot of Dr. Pepper, Mr. Pibb and that kind of stuff. And then coffee, coffee, coffee. Um, I got totally off of it. And then what has it been about a year now? I've been drinking tea. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that the tea I drank had caffeine, but I guess it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, and it'd probably be good for me to get off of it again. Um, the thing with the, the caffeine is, you know, you think that by drinking more, it's going to give you, you're going to stay awake, but then people find out that, you know what, they have a cup of coffee and go to bed. I used to do, I used to be hooked on Diet Coke. I, I drink six cans a day. One first thing in the morning and then right before I, I thought I couldn't sleep without having it. Like, was I thinking about that? It's supposed to keep you awake. Why would I take it before bed? But you you just get used to it, I guess. Right. Yeah, that right. stuff is, is um, man, caffeine is really, really hard to get off. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's that new Michael Pollan book where he talks about caffeine as one of the plant uh, medicines that that we use. I can't remember what the other ones are, but. It's very interesting. If you think about the substance that oh, most of the population is hooked on, is completely socially acceptable. But it has quite a bit of, uh, you know, side effects. You get jumpy. You get addicted to it, so you have to have more. You're like always, okay, where's the coffee machine? Right. Where's the vending machine? Where can I get my next dose of caffeine? Starbucks has a very long line. Star <laughs> yeah, it's a real yeah. thing. And just think yeah. of all the money they make off of it and all that. But it's a stimulant just like just like the other ones, just not as not as uh, potent. I, I mean, didn't we used to use chocolate and sugar as stimulants as well? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The food and food is definitely can be a drug um, for sure. Every everything you put in your body in one way or another it affects your system. One way or another. So I remember when I first turned out as a journeyman, I was working at Disneyland at the downtown Disney or across from the California Adventure when that was first being built. And we were working 14 hour days. And so here we were working one night and it's getting late and everything. And one of the guys is like, boy, everybody's moving slower and slower. You can just see people just you're just exhausted because you're just trying to get everything done. And he runs down to the store and he comes back with this giant bag of candy and soda and it's Gatorade and, and, you know, and all this kind of stuff and Mountain Dew. I never forget it. Mountain Dew. And, uh, he's like, here, everybody, I got you something. And all of a sudden, boom, we all started pulling wire. And it was like, next thing you know, the job is like, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, humans just, are so funny. Just that little rush. Mm. I also wanted to mention in this episode that I, I believe that kids that get diagnosed with ADHD are often given amphetamines, which are part of this whole stimulant class. And if you have ADHD, stimulants actually slow you down. They do the opposite. I used to, uh, we used to think Joy had ADHD. I'm not sure if he does, but he used to slow down with caffeine. If he yeah. was really, really like a tornado we would give him coke and he would calm down coke coca-cola 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> I think it used to be cocaine in Coca-Cola. No, way long bad. time ago. Way well, bad. anyway, so ADHD, you get Ritalin or whatever the medicines are, Adderall, and I believe the kids they hoard it or they sell it or they ask for more, but they won't end up using it and sell it off. Or um, there's something for parents and teachers and um, people to watch out for because it, it's a stimulant, just like. Uh, like meth, right. uh, but and it's right. prescribed mm -hmm. for people to help them with ADHD. Yeah, my I had um, one of my nephews. He has hyperactivity, uh, bad, and he got kicked out of kindergarten. He was so oh, that's hard to do. And so yeah, so I can remember my sister saying, "I feel so bad for him because they gave him speed prescription." And he would just sit on the couch and just glazed over, oh. you know, with his eyes. And, you know, and she's like, I feel bad. Oh, no, you that's know. so sad. It was like that or just let him go run around. He needed one of those hippie schools where they don't care if you run around. Right, right. Yeah, not in <laughs> not the, the 60s. Sit down, sit down and fold your hands kind of school. Oh, darn. Well, uh do you have anything else you wanted to say about stimulants, um, especially for kids? We actually don't know all that much about what kids are using right now. Uh, if anyone wants to help us out, we'd be happy to interview another person that's more uh, familiar with, with what's happening right now. But I'm sure kids are still using it. I'm going to guess that kids who are super stressed and trying to do athletics and ballet and uh, honors classes and this and that, I would guess that they would be the kids that were reaching out for, for stimulants just to be able to get everything done that's, that they're being asked to do. So right. just to watch out. What, what is the danger of using these substances? Uh, you can literally have a heart attack. I mean, it races everything in your body. Everything races. So, but... Is there sometimes where you just totally feel out of control, like, like a race car that's like, and you can't control yourself? I, I don't remember feeling like that. I remember thinking that I can't be an addict because I, I can still think I still know what's happening and I still have a job, you know, and I would reason with myself, you know, that, you know, everything was fine. Everything was fine. But, you know, it, the thing is, is that, you know, with stimulants, there's so many different ways of taking it. Like I said, you know, I used to snort it. There were, there was different, you know, we'd crunch it up and have lines of it. Um, and so that was, that was the common way of taking it. Some people smoked it. Uh, some people would just swallow it. Oh my God. The most bitter taste. I will tell you. Really? Ew, is yeah. I, right now I can taste it. I have not had it since 1987. Wow. That's how bad it was. And other people have injected it. You know, wow. and it's like, I could never do needles. I was just like, no, yeah. no, no, no. So I do know that there's a lot of different ways that people do take it. It's not just, you know, not just snorting it. And what you'll find is a lot of times people that do snort it, they'll wipe their nose a lot mm. or they'll sniff a lot, mm. you know? Um, and then what we would do, because we were what they call poor, you know, meth users, poor speed users, we would go down and get the little Vicks inhalers because they were less than a dollar or something. And, you know, if you didn't have any, you would use that and it would kind of just like bring up whatever was left in your nostril and you would kind of get a, 
another oh, rush again. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. You really so. needed some more money stimulation and, and money. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But yeah, no. Well, so. I'm glad you're off of all that now. And, you yeah. know, a tea once a day, that's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a long way since 1987, yeah. huh? Comparatively, definitely. I'm glad you stayed safe with all that. And uh, look in the episode notes for some resources, everyone. And please share this episode and our podcast with anyone you think that it would help. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And thank you very much for your support. And And stay stay safe. safe.